Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. You are God's little G. You are God's because you came from God. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little gods. We have the potential and the capacity through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to know God, but that does not mean we are God. The Bible is very clear. There is only one God, and he will not share his glory with another. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, it is Wednesday. Of course, that means it's a Witness Wednesday here at Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio as Todd and team are out on the campus of Kennesaw State University, where we get to be a fly on the wall. We get to eavesdrop on the conversations Todd has with university students as he reasons his way through their objections and questions into the gospel. So let's not waste a whole lot of time and get out to the campus now. Skylar, have you taken any ethics classes? Not as of yet that I can remember, but I would love to, and I'm looking into doing it. Here's my question. What is your personal source for ethics and morality? Um, I don't know if there's like a specific place that I like get all my ethics and morality from. I just think about what I would do in the situation or how I would feel. And whenever I try to think of like doing unto others as they do unto me, I'm like, I can't do that because it's just wrong. It just comes from, I don't know where it comes from, but it just, it just feels wrong to do the wrong thing, if that makes sense. And um, oh, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, you decided kind of the golden rule. Pretty much the golden rule. And it's so much easier to be nice than it is to go out of your way to be rude and do bad things to other people. See, I have to confess, I find it's easier to be rude than nice. And I, that, I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. I'm just saying it's easier. I was like, I have my moments where I feel that too. Especially if it's like, if it's like with another person, if they're being like rude or like whatever. Um, You'd like to do unto them what they just did to you. All right. Yeah. Now, but here's, but here's my question, Scholar. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How do you know, though, that that statement is of value? How do you know that statement is actually the right way to live? Um, usually, a lot more can get done and a lot of things can improve or like grow with positivity or working together, for example, which I mean involves being nice to each other or at least listening to each other. So it works basically. Pretty much. I think it works. So that would almost that would be like a utilitarian worldview that if hey if it works, we do it because it it kind of works out and it's a good thing. Right, right. But how do I know though that what I'm doing is right? Because if we adopt a utilitarian worldview, we could almost then say the ends justify the means. And that means we could do wrong things because we believe and perceive it has a good outcome, right? And here, here's another challenge that I, I find with like doing the right thing and the wrong thing. How do we even know what is right or wrong? Um, that is a good question. Uh, I try to think of it as like maybe what's I know we don't know what's right or wrong per se, but maybe what works out the best for more people than just the one. So like you think about if it's 
I don't know how to what the phrase is or what how to think of it, but like if it's gonna work out better for everyone, yes, it sucks for like the few, but you want something that works so you can grow and improve. But that that would again be a utilitarian worldview that it does more good for more people and boohoo for those who pay the price. And I would like try my best to make sure everybody's included in the Let me let me present something to you. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip my hand up front and I'm gonna tell you where I'm going. And then you just tell me if you think I got you there, okay? I want to try something that philosophers or theologians would call the transcendental argument for the existence of God. It's a fancy way of saying if we agree that there are moral absolutes on this planet, beating up small children, um, molesting women, um, cutting somebody's heads off, we would, we'd go, look, that is just absolutely for all times, in all places, horrible and you'd agree with me correct right that is horrible yeah those are horrible things but the reason that we can make that statement is only because there is an objective source of morality because if there is not an objective source of moral authority all you and i can say is i don't prefer you chop off the head of a small child but we can't definitively claim that it's absolutely wrong but we can therefore there's a moral lawgiver. Um, I see what you're saying, but part of that, I guess, would be my belief. Everybody and everything, every living creature, deserves like a shot at life and all it has to offer. And I go by everything happens the way it's supposed to and go with the flow. But I mean, yes, there is what you were saying, but I don't know. <laughs> But if you and I agree that there's objective laws, there's objective morals, we have just reasoned our way right to God, the source of moral authority. Do you think that's a persuasive argument? I guess, I know, I guess it depends on your religious beliefs. I believe. Well, actually, I wasn't talking religion, okay, because I, I, didn't, okay. I didn't say if it's Buddhist or Hindu or Christian, or I, I just said, I intuit if there's objective laws there's an objective lawgiver. So all I really shared was theism, but I did not present okay. a specific deity. All right, I'm gonna try something else with you, Skylar. All right, I wanna make sure the label of this this down jacket, all right, who made this thing? Honestly, I'm not sure. Fair enough, but would you agree that it was made? Yes, I do. Why? Because it's here and... Because <laughs> yeah, here it is, and this doesn't happen by itself. Right. Okay, the grass we're sitting on the eyes that you are looking and perceiving this grass through, did they happen by themselves or were they made also? They were also made. By whom? God or whoever. You Something. So we've just, all we've done in our progression here is we've concluded if there's morality that's objective, there's a source of morality. There is a God. If there is stuff, there is a stuff maker. So you and I have simply arrived at a destination called theism, that there is a god now the question is who is that god who do you think it is um honestly i don't know i just know there is a god or i know some people believe there's more than one god it just depends on like theism and your beliefs and i don't know i just know there is we can't all come from nothing i i agree with that have you ever heard the word postmodern? i have do you know what it is not entirely <laughs> The pre-modern era, philosophically, 
existed from the time of Jesus Christ. We'll call it zero because our calendar is based on his life and death. So from zero to give or take 1400, that was called the pre-modern era. Doesn't mean that people weren't smart, but their, their philosophical worldview is God exists, the end, that's it. Right and wrong, God determines it. And in Western civilization, it was typically through the church or through the Bible. God says it, that settles it, the end. Well, an era called secular humanism, the age of reason came along and philosophers, a lot of French philosophers came along and started to question the existence of God and introduced more of a humanistic mindset. God doesn't exist. Human beings are the source of morality and values and right and wrong. We determine what is good and bad. And we are really the the top of what we observe. Right. It's called secular humanism. And that that was in play. That's called the modern era. Till 1989, philosophers say it was the fall of the Berlin Wall that brought an end to the modern era because people look back over the last 89 years and they saw a bunch of world wars and a lot of people dying. More people died in the 20th century than any other century. And we started to think, you know, maybe we human beings, we really don't have this all figured out. So the conclusion was in the pre-modern era, God is truth. In the modern era, it was humans are the determiners of truth. The postmodern era, the era that you and I live in is there is no truth, or if there is any truth, it's individualistic. The individual defines truth for him or herself. Right. Pre-modern, modern, postmodern. Which era would you put yourself in, Skylar? Um, that's a good question. Not pre-modern. Um, but as for the other ones, I'm not entirely sure. So let me see if we can just deflate the idea of postmodernism, which is you believe what's true for you and it's true. I believe what's true for me and it's true. All right. I believe that this jacket actually uh, it wasn't made. I believe this jacket is God. And I believe that when we die, we will spend eternity in Antarctica, but will never be cold because our God will wrap itself around us and will stay warm for eternity. That's what I believe. Is it really true? You never know what the future holds or what comes after um, is how I think about it. I would like to believe that there is something after where we're under his wing or so what you said. My belief is this jacket is God and I'm going to spend eternity wrapped up in this jacket in Antarctica. And you and I realize that's not true. And no matter how intensely I believe it, I might be sincere, but I'm sincerely wrong. Right. right. I, I can't say I believe gravity doesn't exist. Well, it just keeps on existing. Right. No matter what I think about it. So my belief doesn't make things true. They're either true or false. So now you're either pre-modern or you're modern, but you shouldn't be a post-modern. And stop just a moment. I do hate to interrupt the conversation, but we do have to step away quickly. Just a second. The tape's going to keep on rolling and we'll return with more Todd and Skyler from Kennesaw State University. Next, it's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local church 
Caucasus, it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hello and gracias. That means thank you in Spanish for our unolingual listeners. Gracias for listening to Wretched Radio today, where you learn all kinds of things. And another place you're able to learn stuff, the Wretched website. That's right, Wretched.org is full of amazing content, like each full 30-minute TV episode, our full daily radio episodes. You can also use the nifty search bar to find hundreds of topics that have been discussed on either radio or TV. The Wretched store is there too, and it's loaded with over 40 resources, all produced with the help of our gospel partners. If you're already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner, thank you. Your efforts and support have helped us reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully and thoughtfully consider becoming one? You can find answers to virtually any question you have about becoming a gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate. Or you can text the word Wretched to 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this... Groovy. Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched books of the bible romans was written by the apostle paul to the church in rome it is a thorough systematic presentation of the gospel the two major themes are sin and righteousness Sinners are counted righteous by imputation of Christ's righteousness. If you wish to understand the gospel, the clearest, most thorough explanation is in the book of Romans. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Okay, we are back to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks in the studio. And if you recall, Todd and Skyler were attempting to determine if Skyler leans toward a pre-modern, modern, or post-modern worldview. So let's return to the campus now and see what they've determined. All right. The question now is, and we, if you remember, through the transcendental argument, through the cosmological argument, we concluded there is a God. The question now is, who is that God? And has that God spoken and revealed himself to his creatures? That's the question. And now you've got some books that claim that they do. You've got things like the Bhagavad Gita. You've got the Quran. You've got the Book of Mormon. And you've got the Holy Bible. Those are the books that claim they speak for God. Do you think any of those books do? Um, Considering they were like written by people, I mean, I guess it depends on the 
what they're talking about in the specific section, I guess. Um, I believe that you can see this God in like nature or you could see it in certain things, but it's kind of like, what's the word? Translated in a way. So like it may not always necessarily be God speaking through the people. I agree. It might not be. You're right. But just because it was written by people doesn't automatically disqualify it as being true. Because right. you've got a textbook here and it was written by human beings and you believe it's true. So it's not the transmission that makes it true or false. It's whether or not the contents are true or false. Right. All right. Let me share something with you and then you you tell me what you think. All right, Skylar. I think God exists because it's clear somebody had to make this place. We've got this sense of value and morality. It can't exist unless there is, an, uh, there is somebody who is morally pure. And I believe we have a conscience, this little courtroom in our brain that registers an innocent or guilty verdict on ourselves. We know whether we're doing something right or something wrong. And I believe that it is only the Bible that satisfies all of these questions that are still a little bit open-ended in a harmonious way. Maybe another religion can kind of deal with one of the issues, but I think it's the Bible that harmonizes all of the big questions like, where did we come from? Why are we here? What am I supposed to be doing? Where am I going when I die? So this is what I think the Bible says. You and I were made by God. God knit you together in your mother's womb, and you're owned by him because he made you. And this God is morally just, and he's holy, and he's righteous. And our conscience tells us when we're not behaving in alignment with his laws. And I believe that you and I, I'll just assume some things about you. You're like me. You've told lies. Perhaps you've stolen things that didn't belong to you. You didn't always honor your parents. You didn't certainly honor God the way that you should. We could get into the realm of sexual issues, of uh, behavioral things, the way that we hate people or we're racist or we're sexist. Wrong, 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 which means guilty, 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 guilty. And this just God who has given me a conscience will not turn a blind eye to justice. He's not just going to let boys be boys and girls be girls and let criminals go scot-free. He won't do it. You and I, we see the stories on the evening news where it's really awful and we can kind of get incensed. It's like, how could that guy treat that woman that way? And we get furious about it. God's values and morality is so much higher. He's furious at lying. The Bible says all liars will have their part in a lake of fire because God is the God of truth and he doesn't like lying. He doesn't like lusting. He doesn't like moral impurity. He doesn't like dishonesty. God is holy and we're not. And if we stand before this God on judgment day and the books are open and it's got Schuyler's court case right on it and the omniscient God knows everything you've thought and done and failed to do, Skylar, you and I would be in really big trouble. And I think that's why we fear death. You know, just this idea that I don't think it's going to go well for me. I remember when I was a kid, I had a horrible fear of dying because I knew I wasn't going to the happy place. And it was my conscience. You got that feeling too? It really terrified me and rightly so. It should scare us. And the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God because he's holy and because he has love, he hates that which is unrighteous. And he's going to deal with all of us on an individual basis. And if he gives you and if he gives me what we deserve, you and I are, we're, we're definitely not going to the happy place. We'd be going to hell. But this is one of the best words in the Bible. But God is rich in mercy. God 
loves to forgive sinners. God loves to take pity on his people. But that leaves us with a bit of a tension and a conundrum. We're guilty criminals. We deserve wrath. God will give it to those who break his laws. But God loves people and he wants to forgive people. But there's this tension. If God just forgives people, then he's unjust and that would violate his own character and he can't do that. So something has to happen to break this tension so that God can forgive sinners and still be the just God he is. God created a plan to forgive Skylar. Do you know what that plan is according to the Bible? No. I don't. Um, I just know that he has a plan for all of us. And even if we may not know it, it's there. Right. But he's got a specific plan about how you can be forgiven and how your court case can be dismissed. It's called the gospel. It's a word that means good news. For the last two, three minutes, I've kind of been dumping bad news on you. The good news is God took on human flesh. He never broke the rules. He was always, always kind in what he did. He always said the right thing. He always loved correctly. He never dishonored his parents. He always honored the Lord. He never looked with lust. He was never racist or sexist. And then he allowed sinful people to strip him, beat him, flog him, crucify him. But it wasn't that he was just victim of injustice. He did that intentionally because Jesus on earth, God in flesh, was receiving the wrath of God the Father on the cross for you so that your court case could be dismissed, so your sins could be forgiven, so that God could still be just and forgiving. Jesus took your place. You broke God's laws. Jesus paid your fine. And now, Skylar, you will give him your rap sheet. He will give you his resume, all the right things that he did, He'll actually credit that to your account. So God will not just forgive your sins, but he will look at you as if you are righteous because you've been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So the good news of the gospel is not only can your sins be forgiven, but you can become righteous, credited to your account by Jesus Christ, so that when you and I do die, God will say to us, inherit everlasting life the kingdom prepared for you because of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And Skylar, I believe that harmonizes everything. It explains who God is. It explains reality as we see it. It deals with my guilty conscience and my shame problem. It gives me hope for the future and it tells me how to live today. That's the Christian message. So Skylar, it sounds to me like this might be the first time you've ever heard this. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've heard like bits and pieces, yeah. but not like in this form. Yeah, that happens a lot where we get little bites of it, but nobody ever really kind of connects the dots for us. Well, right now you've just heard the dots connected. So here's what you're confronted with on this glorious day in Georgia. You now know something more important than your studies. You know the truth of everlasting life. Right now you have been given that knowledge, but it's not enough to just go, Okay, I know it. I'm good to go. That's not what God is seeking. God commands you this day to repent. 
It's the word that means you turn from your sins. You don't become perfect, but it's like, ugh, the things that I was doing, I don't want to, I don't want to do those things anymore. I want to live for the one who died for me. And you put your trust in Jesus Christ, not a mere mental ascent, but you put your trust in him like you'd put your trust in a parachute. You put it on because you believe it's going to save you. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God wants to adopt you into his family. God wants to demonstrate his kindness by saving you today. So I'm going to walk away and I might never see you again, but now you know the key to everlasting life. And I just want to clarify one thing for you so that this is maybe left ringing in your ears as I go. What I just presented to you is not a get out of hell free plan. Okay. Because you're afraid to die. I used to be afraid to die. God doesn't want you to use him as fire insurance, just a get out of hell free card. He will get you out of hell because of Jesus. But it shouldn't just be that we turn to him because we're scared of hell. We should want to be in a relationship with him because he rescued us from hell, because he's good and he's kind and he's loving and he's gentle and he's merciful and he's a benevolent father. That's why we should run to him like prodigal children. And he promises he'll run to us and embrace us and save us. That's why you should consider these claims. It's the goodness of God that should lead you to repentance. So I don't know you, but I would love for you to inherit everlasting life. I would love for you to go to heaven. I'd love for your conscience to be cleansed, for guilt and shame to be gone, fear of death gone. And then I can hang out with you on a beautiful day in heaven sometime. That's that's what I'd like for you. So I can't do that for you. Can't make you. I'm not signing you up for a religion today. I'm walking away and simply encouraging you to think on these things as if your eternity depended on it because it does. Fair enough? It does. Thanks for being patient. All right. Will you think on these things at least? Of course. All right. You know, one of the most difficult things for a college student to understand is truth is true regardless of their feelings about it. My belief about something doesn't make it true or false. It's either true or it's not. But in this postmodern world we're living in, that is certainly a tough wall to tear down. Be praying for Skylar and hang tight because more Witness Wednesday is straight ahead. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Last week, we shared a little bit of audio from Project Veritas, who's at it again, secretly recording teachers and their true feelings about students and a lot of the issues surrounding public education today. What you're about to hear is audio from an assistant principal in the New York City's Department of Education for grades K through 4. And this guy in this video describing a lot from how he prevents conservatives from being hired all the way down to how they indoctrinate students as early as kindergarten. They say something that lends itself to be colorblind. You know, like everyone's equal. For kindergarten, for Pride Month, we had like every kid had like a mirror. There's like a read aloud about a boy that said he wanted to be a mermaid. And And unfortunately, these are the people who hold the lives and the minds of our kids in their hands. Just like this lady from Texas who describes herself as a non-binary teacher. You know how like the respectful thing to say to people is ma'am or sir. All my students know that I'm non-binary. Most of my students call me mix. Most of the staff at the schools call me mix or coach, either one. And one of my students came up to me the other day and was like, mix, what do I call you? Because I don't want to say yes ma'am because that feels disrespectful. Is there a non-binary way to say that? Because I didn't grow up saying stuff like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> she didn't grow up talking like that. What, saying ma'am and sir? And here's an example of just what's happening to teachers who stand their ground and say, no, I'm not lying to kids. I'm going to tell them the truth. An Irish teacher has been suspended from school and jailed because he refused to use trans pronouns. And apparently this is a bit of a scandal in Ireland. The teacher refused to address a transitioning student as they instead of he. And the school, as you can imagine, promptly placed the teacher on paid administrative leave, but he refused to stay away from campus despite an injunction that was issued barring him from going to school. And so he has been arrested and jailed because he was found sitting in an empty classroom at the school. And so unfortunately, if you are a teacher and you're not insane and you've determined, I'm not going to lie to students and I'm not going to allow them to live in a land of make-believe, well, then you are labeled as a troublemaker and some places are going to throw you in jail. That unfortunately is the world we seem to be living in. The new Disney cartoon titled Little Demon has caused a bit of an uproar as you can imagine and one conservative Christian group called One Million Moms has launched an online petition urging Disney to cancel the animated sitcom. As we told you last week, the show features graphic violence and nudity and satanic imagery and it's rated TVMA but because it's animated, it is going to be alluring to children. Call me a pessimist, but I do not see Disney canceling the show even with a petition. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is mercy. Those who possess this gift are able to show compassion and comfort the afflicted, people who are sick, dying, or bereaved. God cares about the things that afflict us and has provided comfort in troubled times. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks, your guide as we eavesdrop on Todd out on the university campus. Specifically today, it's Kennesaw State University. So let's get back to the campus and the conversations with Todd now. Brett, you are Persian, correct? That's correct, yeah. But you grew up in? Uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Very Persian in Lawrenceville. No, not particularly. <laughs> or am I always I always confuse the two. Persia is Iran, yes? Yeah. Are there st- are there still Persian is there like a group of people that are, are known as Persians or are they just Iranians? Is this is that a subculture cuz I can't oh, keep it straight. I'm not really sure. Um I think that's just what they're kind of called. Did you grow up in a religious home? No. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. You're in the Bible Belt, man. I don't know. Coming to campus here, has anybody tried to persuade you otherwise? Uh, no, it's just more been like just vaguely talking in uncertain terms, kind of. Do you believe in anything now? Are you agnostic, atheist? Have you made up your own thing? Do you follow a particular system? Oh, no, I just don't follow anything really. I, I try to make my own moral judgments. I, w- I would be willing to see what the Bible says maybe and you know, pick and choose, but I'm not going to describe myself as um, religious or Christian or anything like that. So these morals that you're that you're putting together, how do you determine which morals are moral? Oh, just uh, um, if it like if it harms anyone, um, if it, you know, encourages good behavior, um, kind of stuff like that. If it encourages good behavior, what is good behavior? Um, good behavior. 
just kind of just I'm not really sure really let me try an experiment on you see what you think of this see if you track with me I'm going to try something that's called philosophers would call the transcendental argument for God tag for short it's by looking at morals and intuiting your way to God see if you track with this all right you and I would agree that certain things are objectively wrong wouldn't we yeah like what murder Okay, let's stick. We'll stick with murder. I can't come up here with an axe and cut your head off. That would be objectively wrong. Could we move to Persia, to China, to the island of Boingo Boingo, where cutting off your head indiscriminately on a park bench would it ever be correct in any of those places? Uh, I don't think so. No, it's just we we look at reality and we realize that is always wrong. Brett, I would suggest to you that is proof God exists. Because if there is not a moral lawgiver, an objective standard of right and wrong, you and I would never have a concept of good or bad, evil or delightful. We would simply see everything as a preference. You might not prefer I cut your head off, but that's all you could do. You could never say, hey, that's wrong. Stop it. But you do say that's wrong. Stop it because you know it's wrong. And the only way you know it's wrong is because a moral authority has dictated the terms of morality. Therefore, Brett, if you believe that cutting off your head is objectively wrong in all times, all places, you have just reasoned your way back to God. Do you track with that argument? I understand what you're saying. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. I don't think universal morals is proof of God. I think um, proof of God is proof of God in that uh, you need to, you know, prove that some all-seeing force controls everything kind of and i don't know if that's really necessarily been proven i think i actually could address that but let's just stick with the transcendental argument for just a moment all right where does that argument fall short where's the hole in that logic which logic we believe that there are objective moral absolutes the only way we can make that moral absolute claim is if there is an absolute moral lawgiver Otherwise, you and I would only see things as preferences, but never as right and wrong. But we do see right and wrong. Therefore, there is a moral lawgiver. What's where's the hole? I don't know. I think I think uh, humans as as a species can kind of come to that conclusion. I don't think um, necessarily that means that uh, like the collective conscious unconscious is of humans is God. Um, didn't say that though. I know. I kind of, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, I am saying though, we do have a conscience, not consciousness, but we do have a conscience and it's universal. And I think that again points to there is somebody who has dictated the terms of right and wrong. And that's why we all agree all over the globe. You can't cut somebody's head off. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I buy that completely. I, I still think that, um, humans as a species can sort of make their own moral judgments and just because it's it's uh universal doesn't mean that there's a higher power let me just make it more personal then tell me a scenario where cutting off your head would be good uh if i were attacking you okay i'm talking indiscriminate unprovoked i lop off your noggin i don't think i could ever come up with one why not because humans have come to that conclusion so then your response is society determines what is right and wrong. Um, I, I guess um, that 
doesn't that does society can make certain bad moral uh judgments too correct yeah so nazi germany their society agreed it's okay to exterminate jewish people gay people black people were they wrong i think yeah they were wrong you can't say that though unless there's an objective lawgiver you can say nazi germany was not your preference but you cannot say it was was wrong because you have no authority by which to make that claim that's the tele the transcendental argument okay. all right let me try another one for you all right i'm going to give you a different argument to reason you to god all right see if you see if you go for this all right this bench that you're sitting on it happened all by itself millions of years ago a bunch of stuff got together formed itself into this shape kind of fits us a little awkward kind of uncomfortable but nevertheless it's clearly designed for sit sitting but it happened all by itself do you believe me no then you've just reasoned your way back to god again well i mean humans you know fashioned the wood and assembled the uh, metal see that's the argument we know we didn't see anybody make it but we know somebody made it because it's made the universe we observe it we must conclude there's a universe maker. This bench doesn't happen by itself. A universe doesn't happen by itself. God exists. Well, do you think that the universe maker is uh, has a physical form? Do you think it's just sort of just ephemeral kind of just random? That's, that's a great question. But I haven't gotten that far yet, Brent. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just working toward theism right now that there is a God. So would those two arguments perhaps persuade you God exists? no um what would it take okay right now god is mindful of brett and brett wants to know who this god is so tell god what he must do what she must do what it must do to reveal himself to you what would satisfy your bar of judgment uh, i don't know like you know um just you know uh, I, I, you know, I say I observe something that um, completely um, doesn't fall within normal uh, expectations, like I don't know the the sky or the or the floor or the ground kind of bends in re weird ways. A miracle is what you're asking for. Sure. Right. So if I told you God has already done miracles, would you accept that? Uh, could you give me an example of these miracles? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Well, just because it's written a book doesn't mean it happened. Different conversation, and I grant you that. But God, how's about the miracle that God created a universe? Wouldn't that be enough? Well, I mean, none of us here have seen it being been created. We know that it exists, but we don't know who created it or what created it. No, I, I grant you that, but we do know somebody created it. Somebody. I mean, who know? I mean, who says it's somebody? It could couldn't have been just. Random atoms smashing together. Like this bench? Well, that wasn't random. That There was a, a purpose to these atoms. Exactly. There's a purpose to the universe. The sun rises, the sun sets, the seeds, they grow up in the ground to make the trees provide food to feed you. You've got a purpose. You're designed. You're intricately put together. You're not atoms that smash together. There's no way that could happen any more than this bench could smash itself together. Well, I don't think I could prove my position completely, and I don't think you could either. I'm going to try another angle with you and thanks for your patience all right i'm going to stop being in the realm of your intellect i'm just going to avoid your thinker right now i want to go to a different area of your brain it's called the conscience 
the courtroom of your brain, that little judgment seat that says that's wrong, that's right. And I want to go attack it for a moment and let's see if it fires some sparks. Okay. All right. Brett, would you consider yourself to be a good person? I would hope I would. I'm going to put you on trial for a moment. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah. How many? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really keep track of them. Okay. A lot of them. I don't know. Maybe. All right. But it only takes one lie and you're a liar, right? Yeah. One murder, you're a murderer. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you ever murdered anybody? No. Ever been really angry at somebody unjustly? Yeah. Have you ever uh, looked at anybody on this campus, a woman on this campus with sexual desire? Yeah. Ever taken God's name in vain? Yes. Were you always a perfect child? Did you? Okay, stop, stop. I, I know I just cut him off. Don't tell him I did that. But we have to take this break. We will be back quickly as Todd continues to hold up the mirror of the law to Brett. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel. Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit metashare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing Christians, paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. 
it works. And the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like perspicuity, the clarity of Scripture. God uses the text of Scripture to clearly communicate His character and will. God has not hidden His will for only the enlightened few to find. His truth can be clearly understood by anyone who reads His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back to Witness Wednesday here at Wretched Radio. And if you remember, when we stepped away from Todd and Brett a moment ago, Todd was walking through the law with Brett. Let's get back to that now. So those are like four or five moral issues that you have violated. God, the just judge of all the world, decides today is Brett's last day on this planet. He snuffs out your life. You stand before him and his seat of judgment. The books are opened. He knows everything you've ever said, ever done, ever thought, every deed done in darkness, everything that you should have done but didn't do. He knows it all. No fancy lawyer going to talk your way out of it. Would God see you as an innocent person, a morally pure person, or would he see you as a guilty criminal? Well, I mean, it probably a criminal, but that relies on first a God existing. It relies on uh, there being an afterlife of some sort. Um, and neither of those have really been proven. But I'm trying to peck at your conscience for a moment. Just work with my scenario. All right. God knows it all. The omniscient being who is morally pure sees it all. He's about to slam the gavel on Brett. Would he say innocent or guilty? Probably guilty. Definitely guilty. Mm. Would God who is just and righteous, invite you into heaven or would he send you to hell? Probably hell. Not probably. Definitely. Okay. Do you understand what hell is according to the Bible? Not really. I've never read it. The term typically is eternal, goes on for forever, conscious. You don't fall asleep. You don't get to take naps. You're always aware. Torment. It's punishment. It's, it's a penal system where you are punished for your law breaking, where there is weeping, there is gnashing of teeth because of the intensity of the punishment. It's a place called hell. And that's where God sends guilty criminals like you, like me. So you and I, if this God exists, we're in big trouble. Would you agree? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Based on my scenario, right? I'm trying to go for your conscience, Brett, because the issue of God and the knowledge issue about God, it's really not your issue. We've got all the proof we need that God exists. That tree alone in your eyes that observe those tree branches, they tell us God exists. These things don't happen by themselves. Something that's intelligently designed requires an intelligent designer. So it's not knowledge you're lacking. The issue for you and me is will. You and I like to be our own gods. We like to decide how we want to live. We like to assemble our own morals, which is what you said earlier, because we like to live the way that we want. And if we acknowledge God exists, and if we listen to our conscience, we realize that's going to curb our fun. It's going to curb the way that we want to live, and it's going to hold me accountable. And if God judges me, my conscience tells me I'm in big trouble. And that's what the Bible teaches. You and I are in big trouble, and our conscience 
affirms that. All right, you said something that I applaud earlier. You said, I'd be willing to learn what the Bible says. Permit me the privilege of telling you what it says. God is rich in mercy. God desires to save sinners. God is love, but he's also holy and he's righteous and he's just. So we've got some tension in front of us, Brett. You're a guilty criminal. I'm a guilty criminal. God should crush us for our crimes against him, willingly, knowingly committing acts of treason against our sovereign. But he desires to forgive us. But you feel the tension, right? Because if a judge just goes, well, you're forgiven, go ahead, go away, guilty criminal. He's not just. And God is just. So God, in order to be just and the justifier of those that he wants to forgive, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, took on human form, just like you and me, never broke the laws, never dishonored his parents, never looked at a woman with lust, was always kind, always did the right thing, never coveted, never took the Lord's name in vain, did everything right. More than that, he allowed the human beings that he had created to crucify him. And if, I don't know if you've ever heard about that. This is what happened to Jesus Christ. Imagine this. God in flesh stands before human beings who are sinners, accusing him of sinning. They strip him naked in front of soldiers, the military, mock him, beat him up. The Bible says he was so beaten you couldn't even tell he was a human being. They crushed him in the face with their blows. They put a crown of thorns on his head and smashed it down, which hurts a lot. They whipped him with something called a cat of nine tails. It's not just like, you know, you just see the wild, wild west shows and it's like whoosh, whip. These are leather straps with pottery and nails woven throughout them. That's what you got whipped with. He got whipped with that. And then they hung him on a cross, which means they put nails through his wrists and through his feet. Probably not you've ever seen those pictures of Christ being crucified, usually shows it like one foot on top of the other. But at crucifixion sites, the nails that they've been finding are long enough to go through two feet into the wood. So they think that they probably put the nails through the Achilles and he hung on a cross and you die from suffocation that way because you can't breathe. All of your weight is pulling down and you can't breathe and you ultimately suffocate to death. He did that as a volunteer because he was taking the punishment that you deserve. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. to Take the punishment that you and I deserve so justice can be satisfied. You can be forgiven. You can be brought into a right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ so that for all of eternity, God can be praised for being the magnificently merciful, kind, and loving God that he is. God demonstrated his love for you by dying for you, a sinner. That's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you, Brett, a guilty criminal, can be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Because not only can your sins be forgiven, remember how I said Jesus did everything right? He accrued, he accumulated for himself righteousness, and he gives all of that to you. So he doesn't just pay your debt. He puts all of his righteousness onto your account. So you aren't just seen as a forgiven criminal. You're seen as the citizen of the millennium. That's what Jesus Christ died for you. That's what the Bible teaches. And it teaches one last thing, and you're being super patient with me. The Bible teaches today is the day of salvation. God commands you this moment, repent. 
turn from your ways, turn from your way of living, turn from your lifestyle of sinning, and put your trust in his beloved son. He commands you this day to do that, and he promises he will forgive you and grant you everlasting life because he's merciful and he's good. That's what the Bible teaches. So now you know the message of the Bible. So here's the biggie for you, Brett. Is it true? The messages? Is what I just said to you true? Now, I know what you're inclined to say at the moment, so I don't want to let you answer that. Instead, could I just encourage you to just ponder what I've shared with you? There is the transcendental argument. There's, there's the cosmological argument. There's the teleological argument. I've gone to your conscience and I've tried to probe it and prick at it to share with you the good news that God will save you. This truth is revealed in a book that is reliable. It's been poked at a billion ways and it's demonstrated it's true and you can trust it and you can stake your eternity on it. So before you just quickly go, I don't think it is. Could I just encourage you to think about this today? Is that, all, is that fair? Sure. You're a smart guy, all right? Getting an education is a good thing, but Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? You're more than just your body, okay? You're not a brain, you're a body and a soul. And God wants to save your soul. He wants to save you. So get an education, get a job, and that's cool. Get a wife and kids, nice. But if you die and lose your soul, it all means nothing. God offers you everlasting life in his son. Then all this other stuff takes care of itself. You still get an education. You still get married. You still have kids. But most important, you're in a right relationship with your maker. So sitting on a bench with you, total stranger. Right now, salvation is staring you in the face. I'm going to walk away. Would you please think about it as, as I go? Okay, sure. you have anything you want to say to me besides go away? <laughs> no, I think you're uh, maybe a good good speaker for what you believe in. And I think that's great. I think um, everyone needs a certain direction in life. I think what I just heard you say is it works for me. So good for me, but it doesn't apply to you. Yeah. But here's, here's what I would challenge you with. Okay. So just think really carefully about this, Brett. If what I said is true, it's not just true for me. It is either true or it's false. If Jesus Christ is indeed the true and living God, he says, that he's the only way to get to the Father. It's through him. He says that he's going to return to judge the world in righteousness. Brett, that means you are going to get judged. These people are going to get judged. Whether I believe it or not is irrelevant. If it's true, you're involved in the scenario. Okay, This is not a personalized presentation I'm giving to you. I'm making an objective claim. So don't just kind of tuck it away under... The guy was a little long-winded, pretty pleasant, but good for him. Mm. Uh-uh. That's not how the world functions. What I just presented to you, it's either false and you've got no worries, but if it's true, you've got big worries. It does involve you. So you need to think this through more carefully than just, I'm glad it works for you, sir. Okay. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. Thank you. Right. You know, it is always tough when we see someone's intellect continuing to override absolutely everything. But we should not let that discourage us in continuing to spread the gospel. Remember what our job is. It's to throw or water the seed. But it is God's job to open their eyes and their ears and their heart to the truth of the gospel. So let's be praying for Brett. Now let's another Witness Wednesday in the books. We'll be back with more of that next Wednesday. 
tomorrow, we'll be back with more Wretched Radio. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.